0: Thank you for tuning in to Tech United on Tap, brought to you by Tech United New Jersey. You're listening to a special episode from our Propelify 2020 series, and you can find more episodes like this on our website at techunited.co. That's techunited.co. This talk debuted at the fifth annual Propelify Innovation Festival in October 2020, where our mantra is to propel ideas into action. Enjoy it. And be sure to subscribe to be notified when new episodes go live. Simon, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Aaron. Uh, We have an exciting uh, panel here. Um, I'm truly, truly interested, as many of you know, in the environment. We have one house and if this beautiful planet goes, so will we all. So I'm excited to talk about this subject. I'm with us today, I've got an esteemed panel and I'll let them introduce themselves. Uh, Chuck, you want to start?
2: Oh, hi. Yeah, thanks so much. And hello, everybody. Thank you for including me. My name is Chuck Mellie. I'm from Pearson. I run Global Government Relations and Sustainability. Quick piece on Pearson. Um, we're focusing on education in the workforce. workforce. I uh, have everything from instruction, to curriculum, to instructional materials, to assessments, um, especially workforce certification assessments, most of which is delivered online. So look forward to a, a really good
3: conversation.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Chris. Hi, uh, thanks for
3: having me. I'm Chris Adamo, I work for Danone North America. Uh, Danone is a global food company. We uh, make a number of different food products across the, that that many people find in their uh, households like uh, dairy products like yogurt and uh, coffee creamers, organic milk bottled water and a whole host of other things. I work on our public affairs team, and so I work on a number of issues uh, that span the intersection of food with sustainability and nutrition in particular. So very excited to be here today, thank you.
1: Awesome, thank you. Last but certainly not least, Evan.
4: Certainly, hey, I'm Evan Van Hook. I'm the uh, vice president for health, safety, environment, product stewardship, and sustainability for Honeywell Corporation. We're an international manufacturing company in the aerospace, building systems, specialty chemicals, and productivity areas um, in about 120 countries. Uh, Before being at Honeywell, I was uh, assistant commissioner for the environment here in New Jersey, and then before that, a partner at a law firm doing environmental law. So very excited to be here.
1: Awesome. So, And I think we got more than one lawyer here, right? Okay, almost all three. I see Chuck. Uh, (laughs) uh, Chuck, let me. uh, Let's. uh, Um, in Pearson, they. uh, They're about to have a new CEO, um, coming from Walt Disney, starting in October. Uh, What's What's uh, is the American new CEO bringing a a new era of environmentalism as well? What's What's your opinion about that?
2: Well, let's see. So the new CEO joins on October nineteenth and I'll, I'll let the new CEO um, share what he's gonna do. <laughs> but but what, I, what I can tell you is that we're really excited um, uh, to have been working on our 2030 sustainability strategy for quite some time now. We're just getting ready to, uh, to roll that out. And this is, a, I think, a really interesting and impactful process, whereas we, we're, we took sustainability as an activity where we supported partners um, as, as they in, in pre- pursued. Um, certain things, and now we're moving sustainability into the businesses, into the culture, into the delivery of our of our work. Because what we do is, as, as an education company, we provide products, services, um, and technology to help people have access to education so that they can accomplish their goals. So, what what we're doing now is using those tools, those capabilities, and those expertise to see if we can even reach even more. Um, underserved individuals, and also if we see if we can reach other all individuals with uh, socially relevant and and, and sustainability-focused materials. So it's an exciting time, for Pearson. And,
1: and so you're mostly technology, right? The known more manufacturing, um, livestock. By the way, um, you know, thirty or forty percent responsible for CO2 uh, production. Um, it's in the yogurt. Uh, is there anything uh, we heard a little bit, you guys thinking about plant-based as well, Chris? Yeah, we're actually, uh, so we we look at a variety
3: of different options for consumers. And historically, we are a dairy company. We're about a hundred-year-old yogurt company. Uh, but in the last couple of years, we've been investing significantly in plant-based alternatives uh, in a number of different ways. We're actually one of the, if not the world's largest plant-based manufacturer right now with products that are already available out there in grocery stores like almond milks silk milks. Uh, plant-based yogurts, uh, plant-based even desserts and things of that nature. So we are investing uh, broadly in a diversification. We're trying to meet consumers where they're at. Flexitarianism is definitely the trend for consumers in the United States and probably in in many parts of the world. And there's a lot of reasons for that. People are concerned about uh, welfare of animals. People are concerned about the planet. People are concerned about health. And most people aren't choosing one or the other. People are choosing a variety. And so that's where we're trying to, to meet them. And, you know, Livestock, as you mentioned, is an issue for climate change and for water and a number of other issues. We do believe dairy can be done more sustainably. Uh, We're looking at dairy systems that are as small as, you know, five or ten cows here in the United States to Mm -hmm. to much larger dairy farms, and so we're working on a number of innovations at the farm level to make those products uh, more sustainable, actually provide climate solutions so it's not one or the other for us. We're looking at the broad range of, of products, both plant-based and uh, traditional dairy. And we think we can make uh, innovative differences both on the farm side and for the consumer side.
1: Awesome. And of course, the other part of, of uh, CO2, a large portion is transportation. I'm sure we'll talk about that to local production and mm-hmm. how to get these products to the store. And that brings us also to Evan in terms of Honeywell large corporation. Transportation, I'm sure, is a large portion of that, as well as manufacturing. Ha- tell us about Honeywell. What is what is going on in, at Honeywell in terms of the sustainability? Because I think, in terms of impact, I think Honeywell of, of the three companies that we're talking about here, and, and that includes, you know, m- my organization, NGI. We are mostly a service organization, right? Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we, we, we install LED lights and we 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 stop most printers you really manufacturing, uh, tell us what's going on at Honeywell, because that will, think, have a real, real big impact.
4: Yeah, no, that's an excellent question, and I appreciate that you frame it in that way. Um, one of the things I think that is a hallmark of manufacturing companies is that they operate pursuant to operating systems. Ever since sort of the quality revolution in the mid 20th century, uh, that the framework developed that the manufacturing enterprise has to take place in a systematic way. And of course, that initially was to drive that culture of quality in a large manufacturing environment. Um, What I think is unique about the story of Honeywell is in 2004, our CEO launched a new very strong initiative around our operating system which we call the Honeywell operating system, not surprisingly, and it was really a top to bottom re-examination of how manufacturing was going to develop all the way up through management and all the way up through the board level and I could spend hours talking about it but it's essentially a lean-based system which is based on very strong Uh, data-driven planning, extensive employee engagement, um, constant sort of checking on whether you're on standard and quick action to get back to standard, looking at root causes. And the reason why I talk about that is that Honeywell was in a unique opportunity that we launched our sustainability program at the same time that we were developing our core operating system. And that gave us the opportunity to build sustainability directly into our operating system. And I do think that that's somewhat unique. And I think that's that's how manufacturing is going to have to develop in the sustainable world. Again, when you think about manufacturing, you think about quality, there was this incredible set of insights that drove quality into the mass manufacturing environment. And that same mindset can drive sustainability into that mindset. One of the sort of key insights of Deming was that it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. And part of what linking to the core operating system does is it has a set of activities that everyone's engaged in as they are going about their business. And they're highly effective activities, but they're also activities, which means that you come in and you know, if I see something, here's how I can introduce perhaps a positive change to the organization and the organization acts on it quickly and responds and factors that back into planning. Well, if that worked for quality, it works twice as well for sustainability. Because so let me, if- let me, yeah. let,
1: me, let me interrupt you there, right? Sure. I think that is what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we all have good plans and there are annual reports on this, but in terms of the me- mega trends, right? Yeah. We have glo- number one, of course, global warming. The last five years have been the horizon record, record-breaking wildfires all around us. The CO2 generation, it will fall by 5% this year because of COVID-19. Sure. But it must fall by 8% every year to limit it to a, a, a one and a half degree in, in warming. Uh, we have rising sea levels. Uh, 40% of the people live within 60 miles of the coast, right? You've mm-hmm. you got one centimeter of sea level increasing. Um, citizen awareness, we got the green energy. And, and we have to work with nature instead of against nature in order to really start healing the world. Can I ask for a specific example in your organizations? And, and please, ch- you know, chime in if you want to, mm-hmm. but, but Chris, Evan, give me, with all the planning that comes from the board, give me a specific example that has a real impact, because I think that's what everybody's asking for now. We need to see real change. And, and we've seen sure. that in 2020, right, that citizens are becoming unfortunately also sometimes misinformed, but mostly more informed because of the internet and, and they demand real action. Um, yeah, well just
4: to finish that, you know, because that is the punchline, is the plan is great, but what does it do? Right. By driving that strategy, by changing how we operated, we are now more than 90% more greenhouse gas efficient than when we started. And again, when you talk about a large manufacturing company, more than 90%. We are more than 70% more energy efficient than when we started. And that really has been driven by thousands and thousands of individual projects that are found at the site level, but you need a system to be able to take those ideas into effectuation. Um, The only other thing I'll say quickly, and I won't dwell on it, but is now our major focus is uh, continuing that journey, but also driving products that reduce the footprint of our customers. About 50% of our R&D on new product introduction is for products that fit into what we call our ESG portfolio, many of which relate to climate change. So. We both reduced our own greenhouse gas intensity by more than 90%, and now we're very focused on driving products. And I can tell you about some of our blockbuster products and the impact they've had, and it's absolutely stunning, so.
1: That's amazing. Chris.
3: Yeah, let me, let me give two examples to that. And, I, and I'm gonna echo a little bit about what my colleagues here are saying in terms of sustainability being ingrained in the culture and how important that is. And for Danone, that's been a years long process. I mean, we this is not something we just picked up in the last year or two. Um, but an example of that, and really building it into the governance and the structure and the culture of the company is that we're a public benefit corp here in the US. We're a registered PVC in the state of Delaware. This is a relatively new corporate legal trend over the last decade plus. And Danone is one of, if not the largest companies in the world that is embracing uh, this sort of corporate structure. And so in the US, it's one thing, and we're B Corp certified, so we do have that third party verification. And also every two years we get a plan that shows us what is our continuous improvement look like. This is not a static process. This is not just sign one piece of paper and leave it at that. We have to continually approve across our governance, across how we do work. Um, work with our co- workforce and our sustainability overall. So it's very much a legal and a, and a cultural aspect of the company, and we're doing this worldwide. We're trying to incorporate all our global sub- subsidies, excuse me, subsidiaries into um, a public benefit corp structure or whatever that legal structure, whatever particular country allows. Uh, so that's, that's one thing, and B Corp is, is, is dead center to that uh, overall plan. The second piece I'll give you an example of, and you mentioned that we're a manufacturing company, and that's true, we, we make food. That's, that's the heart of what we do. However, our biggest impact, as you also said, is in our supply chain, It's actually at the farm level. Being a food company, we have to worry about farms. Farms give us our core products, uh, whatever they may be, and of course, we work with farms all over the world. In fact, over 50,000 farms we work with directly across the world. Here in the United States, Just taking our biggest single commodity, which is dairy, we have over 700 farms that we buy from directly in the United States. So when you're buying a Horizon Organic uh, carton of milk or you're buying an Oikos yogurt or whatever product it may be from us in the dairy segment, we know those farms that are supplying those milks. And we have a variety of different uh, procurement strategies, many of which are long-term contracts. So if you're a farmer uh, in, in the dairy world, Having a long-term contract is not a typical thing. You know, a lot of farms, you know, if it's soy and corn, for example, that are going to the cow as feed, those are, those are commodity markets. We're trying to decommoditize those markets and actually have a transparent, traceable source. And not just so we can say what we're doing with them. We want an actual partnership because that, that partnership over time benefits us and the consumer. We can do innovative things like start to decrease the emissions from uh, a gallon of milk. Uh, and we can also provide a better way of, of business for those farms, a more certain business. If they know they've got a customer like us three, four, five, ten years down the road, they can do business in a different way than selling just an annual commodities market. So working with those 700 farms directly, creating, in some cases, bespoke plans for those farms, with those farms, and co-investing with them. I mean, we, we're not telling what those farms what to do. We have to work with them. They're small businesses in many cases. And so we have to come up with different innovations, whether it's on the feed, whether it's on the cow management, could be on the energy use within that farm. So we have to look across a very broad scope with our supply chain, which are farmers. And so it's a very <laughs> challenging subject and one that we're, I mean, frankly, a couple of years down the road embarking on, and we've got many years ahead. But these are complicated small businesses. And so we have to really learn those systems, uh, which means a lot of things. I'm happy to go more detail, but, but actually engaging with our supply chain directly, I think, is the big innovation there.
1: Right, and I yeah. think that's what you both referred to. Um, the The impact, the, the passion on the environment is good, right? But we tended, I think, 10, 20 years ago to just say, we shouldn't buy anything anymore. There should be no economy and we should just sit at home and, you know, almost, you know, consume nothing. And And that's not the answer. And And what I hear the answer is mostly, and, and we'll, come, we'll come to technology, is measuring it data, 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 as well as these interconnected systems that track almost everything. Uh, Chuck, I interrupted you.
2: I was just gonna say, yeah, I agree, Simon, 100% as far as measuring things and having interconnected systems um, and and approaching it in a thoughtful way, but also touching on the point that you just made, taking advantage of technological evolutions and revolutions, quite frankly. Um, Just for example, at Pearson, something tangible, uh, a textbook, you know, when I started Pearson, uh, seven years ago, we had lots of these, we had lots of forklifts, we had lots of warehouses. But uh, we saw the, the future, we saw the future is turning digital, not only the way people consume um, online education, but also the way people consume content. So we've moved most of our books online, um, and that has enabled us to do a whole bunch of things, a number of different things, as far as reduce our footprint in in a, in, in a, in a very big way, not only from the um, the paper that is used for the pulp, for the, for the books, but also the supply chain. The supply chain is a, is a, is a fiber cable um, uh, uh, for this. Um, excuse me. And in addition, at the same time, there are other benefits, other societal benefits um, in that. Well, we have you can have uh are e more easily updated they're they're much less expensive and hopefully more people can can take advantage of this so it, it, you know i think i think it's um it, it's this the whole systems approach not only looking at what we're doing and what we have control of but also looking at what is available to us in, in technology
1: and in trends and
2: consumption
1: so and and that's awesome and that's what we need right every every company can do their part you look at the kitchen you look at these break rooms and you see styrofoam cups still in some companies uh be with us for like three four hundred years every single company can do recyclable install let's install dishwashers instead of these you know, paper, plastic plates, and there, there's a lot of easy, easy things that I think even the smallest company can do right now. What do you guys see coming down in terms of the pipeline? In terms of what, what is coming down? Like we heard, ninety percent reduction is awesome, Chris. The the, the whole plan-based uh, that that's that's great. No more textbooks. So there were the easy gains. I think are gone. What is next? What is what's the next big thing in your companies?
3: Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one of our biggest challenges and one of our biggest opportunities in addition to our supply chain and working with farmers is packaging, packaging and plastics. So, you know, obviously this is going to be true for any food and beverage company. We're not unique there, uh, but we have a huge challenge ahead of us and there's a, there's a climate challenge behind it. Right. The, the, the energy intensity that may be involved in those different packages, but it's also where do the where does that waste go? And, and we, we've seen, unfortunately, we've you know a lot with ocean plastics, and that's become the picture of the problem. Um, but it's far beyond oceans. And, and there's a lot of different issues that come together with uh, the raw materials that we're using. And then, is it a waste, or is there a chance to upcycle or reuse it and recycle it? And the unfortunate part is we, as companies, have a responsibility to innovate and find these new materials that we can use. And we're doing that. And it's going to be a significant investment. The challenge is we also, we can't do it by ourselves. We can find new materials, we can find new feedstock, but if we don't have the public infrastructure to also help us recycle, help us collect, help us sort and help us actually create a full circular system, our our efforts will be for naught. So it's gotta be a true public-private partnership. So a very complicated effort here to create a circular system. We've gotta innovate on our ends. We're gonna have to innovate with our, other uh, corporate industry uh, colleagues, and then we've got to work with government. In the United States, it's both local, state, and federal. So it's a huge challenge ahead, and the good news is there's a lot of unprecedented effort uh, building in this area.
1: I like it. Little, lots of different plastics. If you go and you recycle, you know, three, you can, five, maybe, seven, not six, maybe, right. if it's below certain temperatures. That's too complicated. What we need is standardization and the whole industry coming together, unifying packaging, which then can be much easier recycled. And of course, we've got to get rid of the single-use bag. Um, Evan, in terms of what's coming down the pipeline for Honeywell, I mean, amazing progress, congratulations. What's the next big thing at Honeywell?
4: Sure, I think there is a lot, there are a lot of big things coming and I think if it really um, comes back to it, it, it is around that innovation piece. I do believe that uh, the challenges that we have in sustainability, which are monumental, but the positive news is there's a lot of room for innovation here. Very specifically, just you know, for one example, um, Honeywell recently developed a low global warming uh, refrigerant and propellant. Those of you know refrigerants, the global warming potential of refrigerants is very high. And uh, we developed a refrigerant, uh, we call it our solstice line, where the global warming potential is less than one. We calculate already that uh, through the sales of this, of solstice, we have avoided discharge of more than 175 million metric tons of CO2E to the atmosphere. And it's not a complicated algorithm. It's basically, what did we sell and what's the comparison between that and what it replaced? And that compares with an internal footprint of just 2 million metric tons. So for one product line, 175 million metric tons versus our internal of uh, two million metric tons. And that's the kind of uh, innovation that I think is going to make the kind of impact that's needed for some of these big challenges. You mentioned plastics. I wanna say I also believe very strongly in process and structure. Uh, I mentioned earlier that 50% of our NPI is in sustainability. Um, That's reflected also in the fact that two of our, we have four large business units. Two of them have now set up separate businesses solely to pursue some sustainable technologies. And some of the things that they're involved in are plastics recyclability, going well beyond the PET area, but sort of taking it back to its sort of, uh, you know, original molecules. And so they can be Recycled easily with a very mixed um, mixed input, which again makes it easier to recycle battery storage, which we think is going to be a, a huge uh, impact, and then energy solutions. So two of our two of our businesses has set up freestanding business units solely to pursue sustainable solutions with leadership that reports right up to their CEOs and. And again, I, I think that's, uh, to my mind, you don't do something like that unless you're pretty confident that you're going to find that return on investment and you're going to find it through, uh, through sustainable innovation. I think that's great.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Evan, Chuck, um, what's, what's coming down the pipeline in, uh, at Pearson? and We have uh, about four minutes left. I want to have oh one more quick fire question and then we'll go to the last question.
2: Okay, I'll be. I'll, <clears throat> excuse me. I'll be real quick. You know, as I mentioned, we're moving really, really away from um, uh, the pollutants as far as going going digital and trying to figure out, determine the best ways to substitute that. So we're actually going to be net zero. You know, d- down the road. Um, but what we're doing. Um, what all of us are doing is, is really important. Uh, but I think we also it's our responsibility to help other people know, help the regular citizen know what their job is and so that they can act sustainability in their in their, in their daily lives. And so what we are doing as I touched on at in, in the, in the beginning, is working with all of our products and services that reach and educate individuals all around the world and we're looking to see how much um, uh, how much of the content, is in related relates to the UN, sustainability, UN SDGs um, and, and trying to increase that as well. So that we're trying to share more, actually equip or arm more individuals around the world with the sustainability uh, skills that I think are necessary for our community to, to really thrive long-term.
1: Awesome. Real quick question, right? We're individual companies and we're trying to do good, but what you see is haphazard implementation of these tools and and it's not fair if I run the 100 meters, the 100 dash, and I cannot take steroids, and my competitor takes steroids and has better shoes, and I got lead shoes and all that stuff. Um, do you, real quick, yes or no, do you guys think we should have more uniform rules on a, on, on a national, but also a, a globalized level? Chuck, yes, no?
2: Let's see, so uh, as far as I think, I don't, I don't know about rules, but I think standards. Okay. You know, I, I mean, okay. I, think, I think it's really good, and I think there are a lot of organizations, such as you know the UN and others, that are, that have, and you know, some some major investors that are that are that have put together some standards to which they hold companies. And okay. I think I think that is good. And I think if the driver comes from uh, shareholders and consumers as opposed to um, a, a governmental entity, I think I think all the better because that. That's the um, incentive that a lot, of, a lot of companies really need to get things, uh, get things done and make change.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Chris, yes? Yeah,
3: absolutely. I, I think there's a couple ways to look at this. I mean, first and foremost, as a food company, we think about it in some ways as food safety, right? We have a food safety standard in this country that if you manufacture and make food, you've got to meet those standards so the average consumer knows what they're eating is safe. We want to make sure that sustainability is just like that, a cost of doing business, not a premium add-on just for a few select few consumers. We need to make this and drive this across the board. The second thing, other way to think about it is, if Danone is absolutely perfect, and we're also striving to be net zero by 2050, and we're not perfect, but we're going to do our best to meet our goals and to innovate across the board. But even if we do all that, from the perspective of climate change, We need everybody playing. We need everybody engaged. Otherwise, this is a community problem. We need community solutions. And so we need to have the public sector also involved, and we need the entire, in our case, food sector as well. So uh, not having, so we Denone, we're advocating for public policy. We're out there lobbying for climate change policy at the state level where we do business and also here in in Washington, D.C. So we need both. It's not one or the other.
1: Awesome. Um, Last question. What are you guys... What is your organization, your company, what are they doing right now to help build a better future for all of us here on on Mother Mother Earth, Gaia, the planet? What are we we doing?
4: I'm happy that I I really do believe, just to repeat myself just because we're so excited about it, I do believe having two business units whose soul whose names and whose soul driving uh, sort of mechanism is sustainable solutions, I think is an ex- the most exciting development we can have right now.
1: Fair enough. I think you're absolutely right. And people tend to talk about costs. It's funny how Tesla is the, by far the most valued company and they were seen not so long ago as batteries in electric cars, who's gonna do that? Well, I right. think a lot of us actually do that. And, yeah. and that's your point too, right, Chuck? It's citizens who drive this. And that's, that's absolutely best because we just simply demand it. Um, Chuck, in terms of making a better world for all of us, and I know Pearson, big in education, you guys are doing amazing things. What's right,
2: that? Yeah, yeah, two things. One, as I mentioned, educate, ed- trying to bring sustainability skills uh, to more individuals around the world, but also just in general trying to <clears throat> raise the, uh, the, uh, the playing field. Um, for uh, to use technology, to use their expertise, and to use partners—government, non-government, corporate, etc.—to um, uh, provide access to high-quality education um, uh, materials to individuals around the world who would not otherwise, um, uh, quite frankly, be be served. And so, I think it's it, it's a re- the, the the common. It's a really good time, actually. Um, a lot of the recent events, I think, have. Have hastened the uh, not only the development of but the acceptance of online learning, and I believe that that we working with others can really use this uh, to have a, a larger impact in uh, in individuals' lives around the world.
1: Absolutely, Chris.
3: Yeah, I think uh, right now we're, we're looking at our business as a force for good. This isn't, no, we don't see sustainability just as mitigating bad, which may have been the 10 years ago uh, vision of sustainability. But, you know, how can a company like ours, known as a house of brands, how can we be a force for good uh, to our supply chain, whether it's the farmers or whether it's our manufacturing sites? I, I failed to mention our net uh, zero waste facility in Bridgeton, New Jersey as an example. We're looking at our own house and getting that in order. We're um, also driving it at the brand level. So we have a multitude of brands. How can they be the implementers of our activities and of our innovation? So, for example, Horizon Organic, which is trying to be net uh, zero carbon positive by 2025. And then ultimately, thirdly, driving that value to the consumers. We need to make sure that our consumers realize this, want it, and, are, and also are engaging in the same mission that we're engaging on. That way we can bring a full impact.
1: Awesome. Thank you, guys. And it's amazing for for me to see like all these initiatives are driving huge changes. And I still think every single company, everybody watching this can make a change, too. So just look at you. Do you still have all those little individual plastic coffee cups for, you know, for, for a coffee cup that sugar just buy sugar in a large bin, please? Uh, you know don't use the plastic waste trays and and all that good stuff buy a dishwasher stop printing all that stuff Uh, change your led lights look at simply look at the garbage that your company or that your household is producing and see what can be recycled and how you can do your little part guys was amazing talking to you i hand it back to Aaron and uh, thank you all for being here
0: thank you Thank you guys so much for being a part of this today. I really appreciate it. Simon, I thought that this this discussion was so encouraging. You know, Propelify is built to propel ideas into action. And I thought it was particularly impactful that we have, you know, leaders of such large organizations that can make such a big difference that can propel ideas into action at significant scale. Anything you were shocked, you know, surprised to hear?
1: Um, I am so encouraged by the fact that these large worldwide companies that we just, we, we heard of three of them, not only embrace it because it's great to have a speech somewhere and then, you know, you go home and that was it like 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Look at Honeywell in 2004, they started it. The known, it's not as simple as saying, you know, we should feed the cow a little different feed that this is why this is the work of lawyers. This is the work of professionals who really know what you're talking about. And, uh, and it's simple for us to attack these large companies as they are the the, the ones doing wrong. I loved what Chris said, it's no longer it's just to lessen the impact of what it is that you do wrong, but to really start doing good. And I think all of us, the, 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 the quote is, right? If you pee in the water long enough, you drink and pee. And we're doing a good <laughs> job, we got to reverse that. We got to work with nature instead of against nature. And to hear these companies do that, and the only thing to drive that, we all know is technology and data, data, data. And with that said, I think it was, it was really good to hear. And, and again, I hope it was helpful for all of it. But don't forget, turn off your lights at night and get that charger out uh, unplugged.
0: It's true. Of all the things, you know, we, we talk to PSCG frequently. And of all the crazy advancements in technology, he still says the number one thing people can do to reduce their energy footprint in home is just to seal and caulk your windows. Like, that's the number one area of of, you know problem area so there's some Mm -hmm. basic non-tech things we can all do to make a actually a pretty big difference i want to thank all of you so much for being here with us today i really appreciate it thanks for listening let us know your favorite takeaways on social media at we are tech united stay tuned more of tech united on tap next